I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. everyone and welcome back to the crash couch i am your host chris today we are going to be talking about episodes eight and nine of the fifth season of the expanse took a week off just so we could uh, have a, a slight break and deal with some schedule changes but we are are here now to talk about that today i have ernie with me ernie how are you i'm doing pretty good my friend ready to talk some expanse very nice and we also have joel joel how are you I'm doing well, besides the fact that I threw out my back and I'm hurting, but I'm sober right now, so I'm just taking some meds. So if I say anything stupid, it's because it's probably going to be a stupid comment. But uh, all in all, I'm here. I'm happy to talk about the expense anytime. I feel like I'm in space right now. And I just got uh, bounced off a bulkhead, but uh, I'm here. <laughs> and just let it be known that Joel did not just like throw out his back because he's old he actually did something to it is that correct yeah i was trying to ice skate on the rideau canal in ottawa there's an old uh canal which is a a heritage site and you can skate on it for about you know six miles and let's just say age the lack of talent and uh some bad luck yeah it, it didn't end well let's just say that and that was like two and a half days ago so i'm still hurting badly but Ooh, threw on, threw on uh, some hockey skates, eh? I did, I did, and I, I'm, I'm not much of a skater to begin with, and uh, yeah, I think I need to stick to bars. That's my sport. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sport to be a part of. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, but here we are talking about the expense. Well, I'm glad that you are fighting through the pain and joining us for these two interesting episodes. We'll just, I mean, leave it at that. Co- Compared to uh, Drummer, I think uh, Joel has it pretty easy. So, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me just say uh, I'm more empathetic to what's happening with Drummer and especially to Naomi. Uh, just the struggling, the, the, the suffering. Yes, I'm all about suffering right now. And we have several characters going through these intense periods of their lives just full of suffering and grief. It's fun TV. Uh, rather than split up episodes eight and nine into, into separate discussions, because I feel like they kind of work pretty well together as almost like a two-parter, you know, maybe we could just talk about the beginnings and, and ends of uh, at least the character arcs in both of the episodes. Um, I think that would be perfectly fine. I want to start off with uh, Naomi, who had another kind of interesting dilemma She's really been relegated this and I say relegated in in a nice way because I know that that could be taken as a negative comment, but she's sort of been relegated this season to a lot of performance has to come from Dominique in this season. Um, and it's a lot less ha- reliant on, you know, actions or set pieces or these top moments. It's a lot more about what, in this case, the actress puts into the, the, the portrayal of the character. And, you know, regardless of whether or not you think that it was boring or it was just 
for the lack of a better word, filler or or something along those lines. I really think that over these two episodes, we we really get to see just how strong um, of an actress that she is having to deal with, you know, being on a ship by herself with no food and no nothing to drink and, you know, no supplies and pretty much just feelings of, of hopelessness until she comes up with her plan to to change the um, recording that is going out, which I thought was just a, a really neat little twist at the end of episode eight. I've just been really impressed with with her this season, even if she hasn't had a lot of, uh, you know, major things to do. She's had a tremendous amount of character development. And I, I really do think that um, the performance of the actress really, you know, brings that out of the character and really gives her a way to shine in a way that, you know, we weren't really used to before. And in other shows might become like a little stale and tired. What do you guys think of that? I think Dominique Tipper is doing an amazing job in this season. Now, I may have some issues with the season itself, but with Dominique's acting, I think it's superb. Superb. You can tell a good actor by how they do their screaming and crying, right? I know this sounds kind of flippant, but there's scream scream queens, and then there's actors who can scream and, and and just just show agony through their vocals and through their body language, which makes it completely believable. And I think uh, Dominique Tipper is hitting all the key acting points just to to express that through her character, through the the, the suffering of Naomi, uh, through of course the you know not even just the physical things like it says you know encountering hard vacuum for instance and all that stuff that's happening right now on the ship, but even emotional turmoil you know. Her relationship with her son, that's a big one with, with Philip. And again, her uh, other relationship with uh, Marco, yeah, that may be uh, off-putting, but she still has a relationship with him in the sense that, uh, you know, he's her ex. So that's going on. So you have emotional turmoil, you have physical turmoil, you have mental anguish, all this stuff, and Dominic just sells it. Good on her. I 100% agree with both of you guys. I think it it takes a lot of courage for an actor and actress to carry an episode such as uh, episode eight. A lot of it was repetitive. And I think we uh, maybe get a little spoiled sometimes and can complain about how repetitive her scenes were. However, I mean, the power was there. The Dominic Tipper carried that the weight of the episode very well. Uh, the makeup artist uh, who did her you know, face that was so swollen from being out in space in that vacuum. Did an excellent job. It kind of reminds me of Tom Hanks and uh, Castaway. You know, there was not a lot going on, but there's so much emotion going on in, in the facial expressions that are being made. And I, I think they did a great job of making it feel like a dire situation. You know, it was it was super clever how, you know, the message, uh, the, the whole plan was to interrupt the message and break it up a little bit. And, you know, she's just trying to warn her friends, but can't get the message out. And Dominique Tipper, just ha- tip of the cap to her because she performed the episode amazingly. We've seen this season, especially a lot of separation between between all of our characters and like the main crew that we're working with. I mean, we only really get to see Alex and Bobby together. And even so, it's been very um, few and far between, um, you know, getting those scenes on the screen. And maybe that'll change, you know, here right before the finale. But 
it's it's just been a little weird. Um, and maybe that's part of where some of our because I think all all three of us have a little bit of hesitation towards the season so far. You know, it'll depend how it all finishes on, you know, our overall thoughts on it. But I don't know if that has anything to do, like just the separation has anything to do with the fact of of why we're kind of feeling that way. I don't think it's been a bad thing at all. It's actually been a, a little refreshing if I'm if I'm being honest, but it's a different kind of feeling than what we're what we're used to the show. May, you know, I've said it pretty much every um, episode so far this season that being on Amazon gives the the showrunners and the writers so much more to work with. And I think this is again, this is just something that as as people who've been watching the show, or at least some of us have been watching the show since it started, when we had to have more of those less heavy, heavily acted scenes and more about, you know, what was going on and pushing the plot forward. I don't know. I think this is just something that is a consequence of that, but it's not it's not necessarily a bad consequence. I don't know if any of that made sense. No, it, maybe it makes, I'm starting to sound like Joel on all the painkillers. <laughs> <laughs> it makes perfect sense. I think I also find you know the wordage very hard to find. I think because there's so much going on and the crew is all separated. There's something going on with Alva Sarala, you know, Amos and and Clarissa are on Earth and Bobby and Alex are are on the Razorback. I think there's so much going on and so many pieces to hold on to that it felt like that episode slowed it down so much that it was a little bit uncomfortable for me. It wasn't so much that I didn't like the episode or or anything. I think because I'm craving so much more, I I, I kind of put that blame on myself a little bit more. And maybe I wanted to see more of Amos and what's going on with that storyline. That it, it felt weird to kind of hit the brakes hard on this one. If if that makes any sense for you know you guys too. Yeah, my big question is that did Amos get the bottle of tequila from Baltimore? Like, there's a lot turning on this, right? From his his buddy slash gangster friend. Like, what happened to the case of tequila? <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah. So that, yeah, episode eight, very important plot point. I'm with you, Ernie. I I was really hoping to see more of Amos in episode eight. Thankfully, we did get get that in episode nine. And I was very happy with um, how that arc turned out, them getting up to that, what it was pretty much a mansion on that island, and kind of taking it for themselves, having to essentially uh, hotwire a ship almost to get it to run and, and start working properly and uh, you know defend themselves from um, that security team that pretty much invaded them and invaded their space. I, I like I was hoping to see more of that in eight, but you know, it the way that it turned out is, you know, was fine. And that's really I guess that kind of sums up how this whole season has been in t- uh, just from the start. I know I've seen a lot of people online talk about how they're, you know, it, this mainly comes from people that first got into the show after it got canceled by sci-fi and got picked up by Amazon. And people are just used to this whole binge watching culture thing. And I feel like oddly enough, this season would benefit more from people who are binging it rather than the week to weeks, maybe in like overall interpretation. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but 
looking back, any of the, the shortcomings I thought episode eight had were really solved up by nine. And I, I'm hoping that with the finale, any of the shortcomings with just the season as a whole will be um, maybe tied up and tied up like with a bow or something. But, you know, we'll just have to see. But, yeah, I think the, the Amos storyline was really um, it was really good to see that kind of come full circle for him and Clarissa because, you know, they've already been through so much together. And it's a it's an interesting dynamic that they have um, between those two. I think the chemistry is uh, between the two actors is very, very well done. And I'm just I'm glad that we can we can get those two in more than just, you know, a couple scenes here and there like we did earlier in the earlier in the show. Hey, Chris, did you catch the name of that security team which came into conflict in episode nine uh, around the, the, the mansion? No, and it may have been said, but I and I've tried to watch with subtitles to get those yeah. um, to get those bits, but I, I don't recall now. It's great. It's precious. So the sub to the captions shows it as uh, uh, Pinkwater. This is a play on oh, Blackwater. Yes. That, that's just classic. You know, a bunch of, you know, uh, you know, probably ex-military security people uh, out of their elements and uh, doing it badly. And you see that in the dialogue with the shakedown. Just pink water. Oh, that was great. You know, I think uh, episode nine did really good at telling the story as, as far as like Amos and Clarissa, how shitty of a situation would be. And I feel like there's a lot of realism in those types of storylines where people would try to band together. The weaklings, you know, would try to band together and then there would be the other like, quote unquote, gang that would try to take over supplies and Kind of a scary thought, you know, if something were to happen here on Earth, like would people go full on martial law? But I like I don't know. I kept thinking a lot about Clarissa in in this episode where, you know, that that whole theme of I mean, I use this term and I don't mean it in a religious way, but kind of, you know, it, it gets the point across. But how much does somebody have to pay for the price of their sins? Right. Clarissa did some awful things. And here we are watching her trying to function and, and be the moral bar, so to speak. And I don't, I don't know. I just kept thinking about that, you know, because you have the whole moment, even in Star Wars, where Darth Vader, you know, is redeemed and you kind of forget that he's killed millions of people, you know. But uh, with Clarissa, I think it's an interesting storyline, you know, because she she is literally just was somebody who was trying to protect her family and and somewhat get revenge. But now she's trying to do the right thing. She's preventing a lot of conflict within the faction, you know, with Eric and, and Amos, who I guess we got to, do we have to start naming him Timmy now? So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like that storyline for me, at least, you know, that that was kind of in the back of my mind. Like how, what is the price of sin? That's interesting. Ernie, because I didn't see it as a redemption thing uh, for, uh, for her. I saw her maybe just a bit that she's trying to be, trying to incorporate this idea of a tribe where you, you incorporate the weak and the strong. Um, but the tactical side of my brain was just going nuts in episode nine, just thinking, what are you doing, right? You know, in terms of tactics, I'm with uh, a- Amos and I'm with uh, was the other fellow, Eric. Uh, you know, you know if, if Pinkwater shows up with machine guns and they're doing a shakedown on you, right, okay, uh, you need to move fast and you need to set up a defense perimeter. Permit bigger, you know. You need to actually incorporate some defensive tactics, 
And that firefight in episode nine, my God, that's probably the worst firefight I've seen, because we don't understand, we don't have numbers about how many uh, hostiles there were there that were coming and, and, and attacking. Uh, probably, I'm guessing uh, a company size or at least a couple of platoons, because it was a whole line of uh, of uh, flashes uh, towards the, the forest area. Uh, but they had no scouts. They had like no defensive like like line of sight stuff outside of people just walking around with bright lights behind them, silhouetting them. They just like obviously they're not going to show real tactics in a sci-fi TV show. But man, just make an effort. That's all I ask. Okay. Okay. Rent's <laughs> I done. Agree with you, Joel. Rent is done. It was pretty bad. It's a pretty bad firefight, and uh, just like oh really like. And like I can't blame Peaches for Glisser for a lot of the deaths because that could have been solved with brutal force at the very beginning of the counter during that afternoon, but instead a lot of people got killed needlessly on both sides. In fact, it wasn't decisive enough. And time in extraordinary times like that, where violence rules the day, you must be decisive if you are trying to survive. If you're if you are going to survive, if not, you just have to rely on dumb luck. And you can't rely on luck to help you out every time. Yeah, I was honestly expecting like some big, huge spoiler type, spoiler kind of moment uh, during that firefight, just because I just had a bad feeling about it. But you know, the at least our main characters got out alive, it seems. But yeah, I, I'm with you there, Joel. It's it's interesting that you bring that up because I remember watching that and just thinking in the back of my mind that you know that it's like you know they, they didn't really guard it too well and like i get that you know they're they are a small force and you know they have a a uh, i guess it's just almost like a ragtag group it's not like a a group of um like soldiers that have been working together and like no tactics and whatnot it's really just a, a group of um you know rebels pretty much and uh, to go up against a security force that seemed pretty large um larger than i was really expecting I mean, I, I do see your point, and I do agree. Um, but you know, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, maybe they didn't, you know, have the experience or didn't really know what they were getting into, especially when, when they told the uh, the guys that originally came there, just you know, walk away, and you're not going to get hurt. Yeah. But yeah, I I do like how um, how Clarissa is trying to be like the middleman and trying to you know be the, the the voice of reason in all of it it's interesting for her character because i guess you have to look at it from the perspective of somebody that has spent a very long time in prison um most likely did not get treated the greatest uh, during her time there and uh, only got out because of some kind of crazy world catastrophe that um, earth is currently experiencing so you know maybe she's trying to to redo her i don't know her her life the best way she can and like like ernie said pay for her sins but yeah i i like i she's probably been my favorite part of the season of the season really amos's storyline just in general has been fantastic i think um there's not been really anything bad about it that i could i could really say but having her join him has been very 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 nice and just interesting to say the least yeah, I can see what where Clarissa's trying to get at, and her character is definitely developing uh, in a good way, I think. It's just that the circumstances have changed where old Clarissa probably would be a better fit than new Clarissa. 
And just going back to this uh, first uh, time, this uh, you know patrol of security folks showed up at the mansion. You have to wonder if all these guys had executed. There's like five or six of them. Would the other, would their you know, I don't know, teammates come looking for them? Possibly, right? So it would not have prevented another attack. It may have delayed it by maybe a day or two, which maybe all they needed to to get off the the planet. Makes you wonder if uh, any more lives would have been saved had they ambushed the uh, security team, you know, and not let them go. Uh, They have got uh, more weapons and arms from them, right? Uh, But, I don't know, if someone shows up on property and and, uh, decides that they're the, the law without the proper legal authorization and, is shaking down food and 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 helico- your helicopter. No, they're thieving. They're pirates, except they're on land. So they're raiders, right? Yeah, it's not going to end well. One character I was really surprised to see get the kind of de- development that they did was Avasarala. I know that earlier the season I had made some kind of comment about how, you know, she's kind of the. Uh, the the politician that sort of just kept off to the side that's been there, done that, has the experience, and you know might be getting a little bit of a, a break from the political life, but that quickly uh, turned around and did a big 180. Now we see that it, it you know it all started with her joining the the, the cabinet of the new uh, secretary general, and. That did not go well because she was really against the uh, the retaliation uh, by the UN to the belt, which I kind of don't blame her. Uh, to blame her, like I, I almost get this very. Um, the, I do see some aggressiveness from Avasarala, the Avasarala, the character, but I feel like she also has this, you know, gentle calmness to her in a way, which is very odd to say, uh, given who I'm talking about, um, that she's not like wanting just to run in and and do something just for the sake of doing it. Like she's willing to take a step back, think about her actions and be like, yeah, like we should maybe retaliate against it. But like, is that going to do more, more harm than good? And just her sort of grappling with that throughout these two episodes, which eventually leads to uh, after they sort of kind of go behind her back and do the attack anyway, when she just like storms out of the cabinet and just resigns like that was like, I I was really pleased with that. And it just made me like her even more than I already do, which is saying something because her, her approval rating would be very high in my eyes (laughs) to use a political analogy there. Yeah. I like the fact that in this season, she is emotional. We're seeing ever Sorella's emotions at play, but she's also a rational actor. Whereas the other people in the room, they just want to strike back. They just want to go out and, and do their worst and just fight all bolters, right? You see that in the you know Secretary General David Pastor. You see that in uh, the head of the UN military. Uh, you know, uh, it was Delgado played by Michael Irby? You know, yeah. you know, you just strike back and strike them hard. Yeah, you know, treat all bolters the same. Treat them as a united front, which tactically and strategically is a mistake. And Avasarela sees that. Despite the fact that she lost her husband, despite the fact that you know millions are dead, you know, she sees you know that this is a bad move. She's a rational actor, yet she's emotional. 
but emotional in a good way, not in a, in a you know, uh, a flippancy, you know, irrational way. Officer Alla's storyline, I feel like it should be the soul of this season. You know, her storyline is so great. And, you know, a lot of what you guys are saying, I, I completely agree with. Because, you know, she, her experience puts her in the field of vision that she can see the court, so to speak, and what's happening and who to pass to and who not to. I feel like the strike that they decided to go forward with was kind of something that happened in World War II. It was the uh, the missions where they, they decided to go bomb Tokyo, you know, after Pearl Harbor. And uh, they call it the Doolittle Raids. Uh, the Doolittle Raids were interesting because it did something interesting for Japan, where Japan was a little furious that they actually got attacked in their, their uh, major city. But also the Doolittle Raids really didn't do much but send a statement. And I felt like that, that attack on this one was more of just a statement because it really didn't prove anything. You know, uh, but it did create, you know, a division in the actual cabinet itself on what they should actually do. And, of course, with Admiral Delgado, he's thinking very militaristic, like, you know, just kind of tell me what to do, go go forward. And this is what I think you should do. We'll go forward. Where Officer Rala is more like, no, there's the, the pieces are more technical. It's not a chess game. Or, I'm sorry. It's not a checkers game we're playing. We're playing chess where you actually have to see the players involved. And I really like that storyline uh, because it does show a lot of her growth, you know, where she was more of, I don't want to say the slimy politician, but she definitely was playing the game of politician where this is more like she knows humanity hangs in the balance with what's going on. And she understands that. And the other thing I'd like to add on that was I like that she's, Admitting to herself too that Arjun, Arjun, her her husband is gone, and added his name into the uh, floating hologram thing that was going on, yeah. and that was kind of a powerful moment in in a moment of weakness, you know, in a moment of grieving. So her her storyline is fantastic. I love it. I liked how you know she you've really been able to tell over this last few um, uh, episodes, you know, at the start of the season, um, right after the attack. She's, you know, leaving messages for him and and she's like, I'll, I'll never stop like sending you messages until I hear from you. And then, you know, we don't see that for a bit. And she just, you know, you catch her looking or looking at her uh, like her communication device and you're thinking, hmm, she ever going to like really come to terms with it? Or, you know, is, is her husband ever going to get back to her? Is there some you know, miracle that he survived? And, you know, she's sort of just like in that cabinet meeting, she just like burst out and she's like, my husband is dead. And, you know, I don't want somebody else on those stations to be feeling the same way that I do. And given that, you know, it's people that's not of her faction for her to say that it is very, very diplomatic. And, um, it just, it, it kind of goes to show how much she's grown over even just this, this period of, you know, of time, because I don't know if the Avasarala that we started the show with would agree with the decisions of the one we're seeing now. I don't think she would. I think she's grown over the last five seasons, right? She's not just a, you know, ends justify the means type of person. Her uh, lens, her, her, her viewpoint is wider now. Uh, she's seeing the full chessboard. 
uh, not just the you know the the, men, the central of the of the, of the chessboard, like uh, to use the analogy Ernie brought up as a chessboard player versus you know checkers. No, I think she's matured a lot as a leader and as a person. I think a lot of that maturity comes from loss, though, too. Our, Arjun, Arjun's death is really affecting her, and it's making her crack a little bit, but in a good way. You know, she's become more of the leader that Earth is needed through her husband's death, I, and I like that. You know, it's it's a good storyline that advances her character so much more. I like the politics of the season. I know that this is a very political show, and it's something that has, you know, been a, a focal point for really just everything. And it's it's been, you know, handled in different ways depending on you know what season we're talking about. But this one just is really fascinating to me. I like seeing, thankfully, only fictional stories and not real life stories, where you have this sort of uh, abrupt political situation, you know, be it some kind of change in power or uh, this, um, you know, big event that's happening in, in a, a political uh, perspective or or, or a, uh, a viewpoint. I like seeing how those can be played out and how they can maybe be compared to something that would be happening in the real world and anything that really involves that I'm, I'm a fan of just to see it. And this season right now is, has been um, has been a real joy to watch, at least for me. And you know now that they've had this vote of no confidence, and she is going to be the um, you know back to her old position as the secretary general, will just be really um, really weird in a way, but but also maybe bring a little bit of uh, um, you know feeling of uh, being familiar to. Uh, probably this season, the end of this season, and uh, what I assume will be the start of the next one. So I'm curious to see how that will go. Now, as for the rest of our characters, Holden, unfortunately, doesn't really get too much in these uh, in this episode. Um, you know, he's, he's still trying to figure out what to do and where to go. And, you know, eventually he uh, starts heading towards Naomi, same with Alex and Bobby. But, you know, we're, we're kind of skirting around the issue of drummer who, in my opinion, like, you know, we can talk about Naomi all day. We can talk about Avisar all, all day and Amos all day, but drummer and, and Kara G's performance in this is just absolutely fantastic. Dude, uh, she had the best line this season, I think, uh, where she said, how much shit do I have to eat before I gain your respect? Which is such yeah. a drummer <laughs> thing to say, but also it's it's also another strong female character. It's weird to see her in, in, in the uh, situation that she's in where she has almost no power because she knows she's getting stabbed in the back a little bit or information's being held and she's kind of tied up to the leash. They're not letting her loose, and that's because they've kind of had to pledge allegiance to Inaros. And uh, I really like her storyline a lot this season, too. Yeah, I love her storyline. And it's interesting because in, uh, I believe it'll be episode nine, when she's actually, you know, having a, like, not having a good day and, and crying and, and shouting at her, her, I think, lover slash friend, right, okay? It's interesting. You can actually hear the actor's real ledgers come out. 
uh, because, of course, Kara G is, is native. She's born in Calgary. Uh, she's a Chippewa, American Indian, right? So Ojibwe. And so I, I detected like a native accent there, which I haven't detected that with her before in this series. It's always been Balinese, right? Uh, it sounds like something like that. I just found it really fascinating that we're getting these snippets of different cultures layered in the dialogue, and it comes out when there's strong emotional dialogue. I thought that was a very nice touch. You want to hear something silly I was thinking about or question I had? Is Kara G's character, obviously she's playing drummer, is is that eyeshadow that she puts on all the time or is that actual tattooed eyeshadow? Interesting. I don't know. That's an interesting... I wonder if they explained that to the, in the book or, or if anybody even thought of that because uh, clearly she has the black eyeshadow every time. Right. Every single time. So I'm wondering if it is a tattoo. And we're seeing more tattoos on the, the Balters in the later seasons. That's becoming more of a thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Ernie. Good question. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen that discussed, Ernie. So that's a, a very good observation. It wouldn't surprise me that if it was a some kind of like tattoo, because that is, I mean, they're a they're very well known for for having those. I absolutely hate the character. And I don't know her name. I don't even really want to know her name. Uh, The actress is very, very good at what she does. But I hate the character that is the one that Marco put on the ship. It's almost and I wouldn't surprise me if this was the intention and I'm just like oblivious to it. But it's almost like he put her on the ship really just to like mess with drummer and to, you know, be the de facto leader, even though it's technically drummer ship. I don't know what again, I don't know what the girl's name is, but. I just I hate that character. She comes off so and I guess, again, that's the intention, but she comes off so arrogant and so rude. And I'm just, oh, yeah, it really grinds my gears. <laughs> but she's a fanatic, right? She's a zealot. That, that's, yeah. that's her role, right? She's bought way into the cult of Marco uh, in Iris and, and uh, she'll do anything for it. Right. And then she uh, plays that scene so well uh, and that role so well. Yeah, she's a stooge. Uh, yeah, uh, 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 Carol. Uh, that's K-A-R-A-L. Carol? Carol? Yep. So, yep, that's her. Yeah. Uh, I, may, uh, the, I don't know the name of the actor who uh, uh, who plays her, but she does an amazing st- job. Uh, amazing. Like, you can just sense, you know, the character is not a very nice person. Uh, the, the, the actor? Oh, probably she is. Okay, so. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What did they What did they say? Um, hate the character, not the actress. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a, this is a perfect prime example because I agree with you. I hate her, but I think that's because she's doing her job so well. You know, she's yeah. just such a thorn in the side that uh, every time she comes on screen, I'm like, oh God, here she goes again. Okay, <laughs> okay. I, I found her name, and of course, it's a Nigerian name, so I'm going to butcher it. I apologize. Uh, she's from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, her name is Ol- Olenki Edelia. That's the actor's name. So uh, I hopefully I got that somewhat close. I mean, no disrespect, anything, but I, I have totally respect with this actor. Yeah, she's really made it difficult on Drummer, um, especially when they originally hear the the message that's coming from um, Naomi Ship, uh, the the non modified one. 
and that that's what throws drummer into this fit of rage like she's already lost uh ashford she lost fred johnson like she just goes and she really does what you would probably do in that situation joel she goes and just has a drink and, hey, and hey, cries. Hey, i don't know if you would cry hey i'm irish <laughs> I, I i i don't cry at least not in front of people okay <laughs> okay <laughs> um but yeah she she does that it just has this this incredibly well done breakdown and it's just is brutal to see especially you know when you think about all of the you know all the shit that drummer has been through just this whole not only this whole season but really just the whole um the whole show so far and just having that thorn in her side be on her ship and trying to lead from the shadows is i don't know it's it's killing her almost and then to find out that she is, I guess, not been getting so much of the truth this whole time, and that Naomi is actually, uh, you know, supposedly alive because, you know, she doesn't know for sure, but obviously there's somebody on that ship, and it's got to be Naomi because, you know, they modified the uh, modified the message. But she's probably the one I'm most intrigued about in regards to the finale, just to see what happens, um, just because it is. It has been just a joy to watch her. Um, she's been, I, I remember when she was first introduced in all the way back, and I think that was season two, and I just immediately fell in love with the character. And I know that she doesn't have the greatest arc in the in the books, but it's nice to, to see it play out here on the screen. Um, and you know, the fact that we're just getting this is just so, so great. It's pretty surprising to me that Drummer is still so in love with Naomi, too. I think that's mm-hmm. another arc that I'm 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 liking because it's it's making her a little crazy and uh, not think so clear in her decisions. So um, she must have really loved Naomi, and that must have done a number to her in order for her to act the way she's acting now. Yeah, I think Drummer is just feeling her own mortality. She's feeling her age and her you know the mileage, so to speak, and uh, she's lost control, right? And she's used to leading and being her own person and leading a team. And now she's just a, a, a lapdog for a person she hates. Uh, you know, I wanted to bring up another thing, too. Just the manipulation. Uh, also, uh, moving on to subjects, the manipulation of Marco Inaros and his son. That scene where he tells his son that, Philip, that she's left us again and use that against him. Oh, my God. That angered me so much. He's doing such a good job to get under my skin. Marcos is such a good, just bad guy that you want to hate. Oh, yeah. He's a jerk. I absolutely hated that one scene. Like I I hated because of what he was doing to Philip. But you see that scene where he's just talking about how, you know, Naomi just wanted to leave them again. And I, w- I had this little bit of hope that Philip would sort of turn on his dad and and go with Naomi or you know help turn on some kind of like rebellion in the ship and and go against his dad even if you know it's not completely going against the belt but at least going against you know what he's trying to do but just to see that he's pretty much all in uh, all into it now is just oh it's heartbreaking and it's so it just makes you so sad to watch it. Well, was there anything else in this episode or these two episodes, actually, that you guys wanted to uh, wanted to chime in on? I think we got everyone. I hope I'm not missing anybody. I don't have any character specific thing, but 
Is it wrong wrong for me to take enjoyment at uh, the end of episode nine when the shuttle uh, launches off and all the you know bad guy security people gets fried? I, I took satisfaction. Oh, I that. loved that. Yeah. I thought that was cool. <laughs> yeah. So, so oh, okay. So it's okay to feel good about that. I'm just checking. Yeah, that's great. I don't want to like turn. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to turn into like an Amos or something. But uh, maybe I am. Who knows? <laughs> Ernie, you have any uh, last thoughts on these two episodes? No, I'm. I'm definitely feel like they've built up a good moment to see what's going to happen with the the ship that Naomi is on. And those worlds colliding, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But I feel like we we did talk about everything we needed to, or at least I got everything off my chest. So sounds good. Hopefully we can all come back for the finale, and uh, maybe maybe for once we'll have all five of us here in the same room at the same time, the same virtual room at the same time. That would be nice. We'll have to see. But that is going to do it for this episode of The Crash Couch. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Crash Couch. Can you believe that we are almost at 1,000 followers? That's insane. I remember. It is insane. I remember uh, when I was – it was – we were probably – I think we were just somewhere in season two maybe. And uh, I I tweeted out just kind of casually, hey, like – you know, we're almost, I think it was probably like 200 followers at the time. Uh, I said, we're almost at 200 followers, you know, let's, or maybe even 100. Let's get us there. And um, Ty on the James S.A. Corey account tweeted it and was like, hey, uh, forget 100 followers, followers, let's get it to, let's get to 200 or something along those lines. And uh, we just, you know, have grown from there. And um, we really appreciate the support and everybody that uh, continues to, um, that continues to listen to us and support us and follow us and um, interact. And uh, I know it's it's been a little weird with uh, everything going on in the world and the fact that, you know, we're a streaming show now and not a uh, a, a weekly uh, comes on at 9 o'clock Eastern or 10 o'clock Eastern show anymore. But, you know, we're, we're still a community and that's, that's what matters. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at The Curse of Chris. Joel, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Joel, J-O-E-L, underscore, my last name is Welch, W-E-L-C-H. So Joel, uh, underscore, Welch, on Twitter. And what is the name of your podcast? Oh, right. I do have my own pub, uh, pubcast, so to speak. It's a sci-fi podcast, uh, which I do with some other folks, where we talk about uh, general themes and properties and science fiction and pop culture. It's, uh, it's quaint, let's just say that. It's uh, quirky uh strange and uh insightful so it's a sci-fi podcast give it a listen yeah you said that you had your own pub there and i was like wait a minute did something happen that i'm <laughs> that i'm un- unaware of <laughs> give me time thanks for the invite joel yeah, give me give me time <laughs> just one winning lottery ticket and that's all i need and ernie where can people find you on the internet uh, hopefully not Googling me, but uh, you can find me on Instagram <laughs> at your buddy Ernie. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode. We will be back for the finale of the fifth season of The Expanse. Until then, take care, everyone.